here's the thing. When you count back from six, it feels like a gift, right? Everyone's like five, four, and it's like six. And you're like, a little time to relax, to take a breath. I get one count just for me. No, I'm super confused because I'm used to five, four, three, and so on. You know, that, that <laughs> it just doesn't resonate. But luckily, they fix it. So, well, every count is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Uh, Welcome to the What's Your Baseline podcast. In this show, we talk about our experiences and lessons learned in enterprise architecture and business process management. What's Your Baseline is designed to be for everyone. Newbies who are just getting started with these topics, organizations who want to improve their EA and BPM groups and the value they get from it, as well as practitioners who want to get a different perspective and care about the discipline. Each episode will tackle different key topics, providing context, background, best practices, and stories from the road, inviting you to learn from our challenges and successes, and demonstrating key tools to help you set up your practice and get the most out of it. I'm your host, Roland Wolt, and I'm joined today by my co-host, J.M. Erlinson. Hey, J.M., how are you doing today? I am doing great, Roland. It is bright and sunny outdoors, and it's a public holiday here in Canada, which are things that I love, and instead of going outside and enjoying the weather, I'm here having a fun time recording a podcast with you and our special guest today, which we'll introduce in just a moment. But how are you doing on this wonderful day? I'm, I'm doing fine because we do have a holiday here in the United States as well. So the poor soul who has to suffer through a regular workday is our guest today because we have Christoph Piller here, who is an Austrian living in uh, foreign countries, as I heard, you know, and, <laughs> and now has to suffer through uh, the, how do I say that, special treatment that uh, Southern German people uh, give to their Southern neighbors. Is that a fair assumption, okay. Christoph? Well, that, 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 sound, that sounds really awesome. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> so, so, sounds really fair. <laughs> sounds but, really fair. Well, let's see if you deserve it because uh, we're going to get a little knowing going on, ask you a couple questions about yourself like we always like to do, and then get into a really fascinating topic that we're excited to talk about today with you, which is just as a preview for folks. We're talking about subject-oriented process management. If you click on this episode, you might have seen the title. But that's something that Christoph has a ton of knowledge about to share. But once again, before we get to that, let's find out a little bit more about you. So Christoph, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Who are you? What have you done in the past? What brought you to the expertise that you're looking to share today with our audience and with us? Perfect. Um, JM, Roland, thank you very much for having me on your podcast it's an absolute pleasure for me. I'm really looking forward to this episode. Who I am? I'm Christoph. Um, I'm originally from Austria, Vienna, from the beautiful city Vienna, but live now in southern Germany in Bavaria, um, which is kind of the, the little brother of Austria, actually. So nothing to worry for me. I think I think some people will see that differently. But what I can agree <laughs> with is that Vienna is a really, really beautiful town. So, um, yeah, I think I mentioned it a couple of times. My older son lives in Vienna, and I visited him a couple of months ago. It's beautiful. Loved it. Mm. Awesome. Um, yeah, so oh, actually already quite some years ago, I think 15, 16 years ago, I started started studying industrial engineer in Vienna in a 
at the University of Applied Science. And there we had the lecture um, Foundations of Logistics. And in, in, in one, uh, at one part was especially about process management, business process management, because uh, originally business process management is a part of logistics. Originally, right. actually, however we want to call it. And that was the point where I immediately fell in love with business process management. That was actually the point where I said to me, Christoph, this is, so you're not only falling in love with business process management, but this is your vocation. So you, you want to, to, you want to do process management your entire life on the, on the business side of your life, of course. And I really had the, I would say it was a, a lucky coincidence kind of that I, I started reading the book subject oriented business process management. Mm. So I've not started learning business process management the classical way with um, EPCs and, and um, BPMN and that stuff, but really with subject-oriented business process man management, which we will hear at a later point of time. Um, and then I just kind of um, developed myself because, I, of course, I had to learn BPMN because, and BPM in general because it is used everywhere. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I, I moved to Bavaria in 2014 because of love. Mm. And I think that's the, the only valid reason for Austrian people to move to Germany, actually. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and you, you fell in love, I'm assuming, with Bavaria? No, I'm kidding. I, I see what you're going And for. now our listenership for this episode drops to negative zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh no people people everybody loves love and to hear christoph following his heart to bavaria it's isn't a, that a good story uh, absolutely and um so roland you have to know i have to keep my vns dark humor you know um and yeah so and here in bavaria actually i had a quite um uh funny or a very turnaround experienced uh, on the on the business side because I worked of course for Audi because I live next to Ingolstadt so you kind of have to start uh, working for Audi uh, I worked for a startup I worked for Fisman for Bitpanda uh, one of the the biggest fintechs actually um, but I'm also a freelancer um, part-time kind of part-time freelancer I have my own video podcast where I'm similar to you talking with with experts about business process management hyper automation and that stuff um, yeah so that's me in a nutshell kind of yeah and and I really love the title of your of your podcast you know um, because it gives the the Austrian uh, roots, you know, of Anne Melange mit dem Prozess Wizard. So that's really, really nice. But now you have to explain what a Melange is. Yeah, so Melange is a, is a typical VNS coffee. Um, at the end of the day, it's just uh, espre espresso, espresso uh, with so kind of lengthen with hot water mm. and then milk, hot milk and very important, milk foam at the end 
Oh, nice. So it's a mix of an Americano and a cappuccino, I guess. Exactly. Yep. I, I like it. It makes it terrible that I'm drinking literally instant coffee as we talk. So I feel like, yeah, <laughs> the people can't see the faces of both of the uh, the folks on the podcast with me today, but they're, they give me big stink face energy when I, I mentioned that I drink instant coffee. But hey, listen, everybody's got to get their caffeine in some way. We all need to amp up our energy so we can produce more for our corporations. However, today we're going to find out a little bit more about you before we get to the topic, because as much as we love your business process and your, your focus on the industry, tell us about yourself as a, as, a, as a person, your hobbies, your likes, your bucket list items, and then we'll get into the meat of the show. Um, awesome. So I... So currently, currently, since six years, my number one prior, number one live thing are my three baby girls because I have three Aww. baby girls. Um, <laughs> and they are awesome because on the one side, they are very, very nice and behave very nicely, actually. But on the other side, um, they are as crazy as I am. And that's awesome, actually. And it's, I mean, it, sometimes it feels a little bit like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh-huh. But, I mean, I grew up this way, so it's totally fine for me. And, and wait until they're 12. Ooh, then there is no ambiguity. There is only, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever of the two sides that you just mentioned. But I heard it's different than it is right now. But I don't know what I'm talking about because I have two boys, you know, who are young men now and, and doing their own thing. And I think I got the I got the easier way out. So we have three girls, two boys and one cat. Those are our, uh, our child slash things we care for. Uh, I see. I see. Yes. My, uh, my, my wonderful cat meow meow sends her love your way. Well, this is, this is really good. And, and lastly, bucket list items. If you could, if you could say one thing you want to do in your life, something that you've always desired, what is it? Um, so actually, uh, what is on my bucket list? What is not fulfilled yet? Um, I really want to watch one NFL game, one NBA game, one NHL game, and one MLB game in the US, in the States, or at least in Canada, because some of them are also in Canada. Just stop by here. Washington has all four of them. They're not good. <laughs> They're not good, but you oh, just yeah. want to watch the game, you know? Who, who wants to wa watch the Washington uh, comment? How, how are they called now? Commanders. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's that's a complete different story. But the good news is they they were sold, and I hope that ah. the new owner brings a little bit more stability in there and and whatnot. Because it was really sad to see, even though I'm rooting for a different team, but it was really sad to see when you see uh, see three world champions in the early '90s, you know, go down over 25 years and whatever. Once I drove, I rode my motorcycle a couple of years ago and uh, the, the DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles, uh, has those uh, vanity plates, you know, and it had a football helmet on it, you know, and it was a truck driving in front of me. And the license plate had the football helmet and it just said, next year. Wow. Oh my goodness. That, that reminds me of a lot of people who are very uh, hopeful 
that Toronto's sports teams will will win. We the Raptors did win a while ago, but the Maple Leafs uh, haven't won in a long time, and every year it's a heartbreak. So I I can only encourage you to come to Toronto off playoff season because in playoff season the intensity is a little high and <laughs> the tickets are very yeah, expensive. The the Raptors, for example, would be really interesting for me because Jakob Pertl, the only one and only Austrian NBA player plays for the Raptors. Ooh, okay. Well, I I know almost nothing about sports except for people uh, cry on my shoulder when we ultimately lose almost every playoff. So <laughs> I can only say, come enjoy it. Anyways, Toronto's fun. Actually, that's a that's a public service announcement. We always make those to everyone listening. Toronto is fun. Come see Toronto. We have a good city, and some of our sports teams occasionally go pretty far in the playoffs. <laughs> so I've heard. With that being said, and about 15 minutes in or 12 minutes oh, yeah. in or whatever, let's go to the topic of, of our show. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody enjoys our little banter here, but the topic of today is subject-oriented business process management. And, and to be quite honest, Christoph, when you pitch that idea to talk about that topic, we had a couple of efforts, you know, where we where we looked towards human-oriented process, empathy, and, and all these things. But in all seriousness, you know, isn't processes there, or process management there to create more output, you know, to, to pick up your logistics example to push more widgets through the assembly line and to the assembly line and just squeeze the last bit of juice out of the workers and uh, get the owners of the factories even richer than they are today. Isn't that the whole purpose of process management? So how does that, how does that fit to subject-oriented BPM? So in general, you're, both of you are totally right. That's the, the 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 end goal, the final goal, or the, the the most important goal of business process management to be just more efficient at the end of the day. Um, what what is this now with subject oriented business process management actually? And um, we we talked about stories before. I really want to combine it with our storytelling thinking because that's quite important actually. So. We think about the Homo sapiens, so the, the creation of the Homo sapiens, the development of the Homo sapiens. Those are the guys who will uh, nuclear explode the world at some point in time in the near future, right? Those guys. Exactly, those guys. Um, okay, good. Thanks <laughs> that we spoke about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this started approximately 200,000 years ago. Um, and this, this was also the time when language started to arise because at least we think that this is one of the main differentiators between the, the human beings and animals that we have a language with which we can communicate and how is language working so we have the subject we have the predicate or verb and we have the object that's and that's almost for every um, type of language the case subject predicate object we can talk passive nowadays um, where we just take out the subject from the from the equation and build a complex sentence structure um, so that we have the object object and tell with a weird grammatical form 
of the verb are what is done with the object. But mm. the most easily understandable structure of a sentence is subject, predicate, object. So, um, and when we think about movies, for example, um, why movies? Movies is nothing else than a story which is told to us via pictures. So kind of similar of processes, actually, because processes, a process is, um, is, is described via pictures or via shapes. Um, so, and when we talk about very famous movies, which is, which are known by everyone, I don't know, Iron Man or the Star Wars movies, what is the main, also in the, in the central point of those movies? So in the one case, it's Iron Man. So Tony Stark, which is the subject of the movie, the, the object, the, the suit, for example. Yeah, okay. It's, it's something which, which comes along kind of. And we know about Tony Stark, we know what he's doing. So also the predicate is kind of important. But mm -hmm. at the beginning, we have the story of the subject. Very same with Star Wars, with Skywalker Saga, for example. So we always have at the beginning the subject um, and also the, the, the entire story of the movie is based on the explanation of the subject. Okay, how did he grow up? Which problems or which challenges he has faced, etc. Um, so... What we human being understand very naturally is subject, predicate, object. So now let's jump to business process management. Hundred years ago, um, so around the 1920s, the very first process models um, were drawn. So process management became a kind of thing. And the very first modeling languages were simple flowcharts. And what was done in, at this time, the activities, so the predicates or the verbs were just um, described, put into boxes and were connected uh, to each other with arrows. But it was really only predicates, only verbs, which were described in this case. Um, and this entire thing developed. So then, especially with the, with the IT and the, this entire um, computer technology, et cetera, yeah. for example, entity relationship diagrams became very important, but where only objects were described, um, we had then EPCs. And I'm not talking now about the extended um, EPCs, but right, the standard right, right. APC where we, at the end of the day, also have um, mainly predicates and objects. Then we had BPMN. And at the very, very beginning of BPMN, there was no such thing like those swim lanes, so the pools with the swim lanes. It was right. mainly about, okay, we're describing which activities must be done. And we can maybe connect some objects to the activities to know, okay, in which system they must be done or which document is used for it or whatsoever. Right. Um, so the focus was always on the predicate and on the object. So we created business process management, but used a language which is very hard to understand for us. And we're wondering why not everyone is understanding business process management and the models but only the real experts or why are we only understanding it when we had a very long workshop 
where everything was explained in a lot of detail. And it sounds like this is counterintuitive from what you've explained to the way people communicate. And that begs the question, why create a language that runs cross-purposes to the way that we're already wired? So how do you solve that? Exactly. And that, that's, that was the kind of starting point of the development creation of subject-oriented business process management. Because um, so the, the creators of SPPM, which are living next to me, which is really awesome. Um, so Albert right. Fleischmann, Christian Stari, um, etc. They they also faced this issue. So they worked for for SAP. They were they were consultants, etc. In the area of business process management, and they faced the issue that, especially in in industry projects, that although they they had a lot of workshops, etc., and gathered everything, they always missed this natural understanding as well as the definition of okay who who must do this activity from whom is coming this message who is sending this message so that's just an, an additional information and, and honestly what i don't understand is what is the qualitative difference is it putting swim lanes on a on a diagram because The idea of process management is obviously to optimize your processes, at least one use case for it, right? Which means making it faster, throwing more widgets through the through the funnel and, and all that type of stuff. So what is the, the qualitative difference between subject-oriented BPM and traditional BPM in your mind? We have to forget a little bit the modeling language, actually. So it's really only about subject-oriented business process management in general. And the qualitative difference is actually that we shifting the thinking paradigm of, okay, um, I want to know what must be done to, okay, before we're looking at what must be done, let's think about who must do it or think about from whom I get the input to be able to do my activities or, or, and however you want to see it, whom I must send my output. So we're really focusing first of all on the who, mm -hmm. um, and afterwards are able to define the activities for the defined subjects. And one, one point I want to mention here, because that's quite interesting. Um, Do you know this 5W principle? Mm -hmm. So a, a friend of mine who has written the, his dissertation about subject-oriented business process management, and he made a Google search with the 5Ws. And from the first 10 results, eight of those pages mentioned that the very first W is always the who. So... Even with the five W's, we first of all think about the subject, the who. So who is doing it? Who is sending messages? Who is receiving stuff, etc. Mm -hmm. Doesn't it? And, and again, I'm curious, right? And I might be completely off track, but doesn't that mean if we look at the who first, that we basically bake in the current process? And, and I've said that in the podcast multiple times. You know, um, when I do workshops. Um, and we start from scratch, you know, 
um, I try to bring the participants actually focusing to focus on the activities. And I draw a little two swim lanes, you know, and it has four steps, A, B, C, and D. You know, and A and B is in my low, uh, lane and C is in yours and D is in mine, you know. And then I say, oh, wouldn't it be a more optimal process if C would come into my lane and I do everything, you know, and then people freak out, you know, because, no, you're taking away my job and um, I'm losing my job and this is mine. It has ever been my stuff and, and whatnot. Don't we support this notion by focusing on the subject? So I, I honestly try to make sense of it where the, the benefit is. So first of all, we have to distinguish between subjects and real agents. Because, you, Roland, you were talking more about agents. And one subject is just a kind of role mm -hmm. um, which is doing the activities. So a subject can also be a, a, a RPA bot or a software tool or whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, and an agent, agent is usually a real person, kind of, um, first of all. Secondly, I think that it's really important that we know, okay, with which subjects we have to work, kind of, in the process, or which subjects are working in the process. Um, first of all, that we know, okay, who who shall we invite to the to the workshop kind of mm. but also it's a kind of responsibility or give responsibility to to the people um and what the what the difference is between uh two subject oriented business process management at the end of the day that we first of all focus more on the communication part so we first of all really try to understand which subjects do we have mm -hmm. and how they are communicating with each other. So which, how does the, the data flow looks like? How does the information flow looks like? Before we start thinking about, okay, which step um, must be done to, to go further to produce the output? Which is very interesting because it, as we all know, BPMN has the, what's it called? Conversation diagram type. And I've yeah. never I've never seen that being used in a real life. You know, it's like, oh yeah, you have those <laughs> those participants, and yeah, they they must talk to each other, yeah, somehow. <laughs> so that's 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 really interesting. Yeah, somehow. And I, I think you put the you put the finger into that into that gap. You know, uh, th there is a lack of thinking about this. The other thing I I, I want to talk about here a little bit is that it feels like. You're solving one problem and creating a different problem potentially. And I'd, I'd love to understand how you see and address that. So yes, I, I love it. You're, you're using subjects to understand who to invite, right? Who to include in the room, who is affected by the decisions you're making around process. I wonder what you think about the idea of design constraints that are artificially imposed as a result of these decisions. And what, why I say that is because when you define your subjects up front, you're kind of defining half your solution before you've defined your problem. Whereas when you have no subjects, and I, where I, or I, at least I see this sometimes, you say, okay, so let's define our problem and put a flow out there that could be resolved in any way. We have no constraints. And obviously it's not realistic, but it's like, you know, complete pie in the sky thinking if our whole organization was reoriented, we could have any human or technical resource, technical resources to be able to achieve this. 
what does a process look like? What is an idealized process? And that seems like a, a very, uh, it's like a kind of rose-colored glasses approach to problem solving, but it does open a lot of innovation space. How do you see subject-oriented process modeling allowing for open innovation space when the first question isn't, what could we possibly do? The first question appears to be, who could we possibly involve? Uh, so that's luckily that's quite simple actually because um first of all what we oh, really first of all okay what is always important is the job to be done right. so although we we are asking okay who is doing what who is um getting what from whom etc we nevertheless think about okay what do we want to achieve what is the job to be done so i mean that this is something um which is out of question actually um Besides that, the, what we have to start is distinguish between subjects and real teams or persons or whatsoever. So right. a subject can be just an employee. So for example, so the best example when we're talking about the process of um, uh, travel request, so business travel request and business travel booking, sure, we, one subject will be always just the employee. Because theoretically, every person can request a business travel in the company. I mean, with some constraints, et cetera, but in general, yeah. employee. That makes sense. Um, and if you really want to, to stay very open, so uh, in the direction of design thinking for creating the solution, you can just say, okay, I have, for example, 10 subjects. We say we, can, we, we have to use 10 subjects. And with those subjects, we will create our perfect process. Or, and this is the way I love uh, much more, we just start with one subject, just define one subject. And then we go step by step and think about, okay, when I, I want to, to achieve this output, can I do it on my own? Or do I need another person? And if I need another person, is this another person a different subject? Or is it nevertheless myself kind of? Do you know what I mean? I, I do interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting to me. I'm I'm listening to you say this, and it it does share some commonalities with the way in which a lot of organizations approach customer journey modeling, because they're always asking the question, "What's the persona for which this journey is applicable?" And your it seems like subject oriented is kind of that same line of thinking, but applied in a process first context. Which, which forces you to think about the hard questions you don't really want to start with, which is what, who does it matter to and why? Even though those are, seem like those are the most important questions you should be asking, it's that, that's the first one you're easy to forget. Oh, how do we do it? No, no. Who does it matter to and why? I dig that. Yeah, totally. Um, and for example, and that's something which annoys me very much, I've never thought about that. It's actually very similar to the customer journey approach. Yeah, but it's isn't a customer journey just a process with an external participant, with a focus mm. on the external participant? Sure. Well, then, then we're kind of or, like we're orbiting around the same idea, which is yeah. subject-oriented process. Man, oh my goodness! Wait, hold up. That's the title of this episode. So, <laughs> so now we can now we can throw away the episode that we 
uh, had about customer experience management JM. You know, I will delete it from our server immediately after this <laughs> recording. <laughs> no, I, I think this is a, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of discovering as we're going through that this, it's like, oh yeah, this all makes intuitive sense. And why? Because I've seen it before where in a slightly different context, was it successful? Yes. How can we take that success and apply it more to process? Well, let's get started. And I think this is a great place to take a first little break in our in our show because this is I mean, I'm I Christoph, this is great. Um, let's let's ask the audience a question as we take our first little break here and play some music to give your brain a chance to decompress and ask our audience what kind of process models have you seen or used? Um, were they you know subject oriented? Were they object oriented? How did they focus on the the kinds of information that they chose to prioritize? And was that successful in communicating ideas? Was that successful in explaining what needed to be done? And where wasn't it successful? Um, where where was the who had potentially not included in the conversation? We'll leave you for a moment to think about your own experiences and come back with our second section, the how. And welcome back. Uh, Christoph, I, I really, really like your explanation. And, and I get the point, you know, the, the five W's and, and all these things. But truth be told, I'm still not convinced. You know, I don't know why would want to have someone focus on the subject. Because at the end of the day, what do we want? We want to get the widget off the conveyor belt and ship to the customer. Right, that's the object. So what is the reason? And I get the, the point, what you said before, that you have a more total picture of the process. And, and I agree with that. You have to look at the subjects and whatnot. But why should I put them in focus on it and, and even invent? And we're going to talk about this in, in this segment about a dedicated notation for subject-oriented uh, process management. But why should, I, why should I focus on that first? One question. Several answers. Um, so really cool, actually. First of all, and that's very important. Um, Roland, it sounds for me a little bit that you think with subject-oriented business process management, the, the entire focus, the, the lifetime focus is on the subject. Um, actually, and that's the important thing of a sentence, um, The only thing what subject-oriented business process management is doing um, is shifting the paradigm to put the subject on the first place, which doesn't mean that it's the, the, entire, the, the, the entire focus is on the subject. I mean, at the end of the day, we have to know what must be done. We have to know with what is be done on what or with what do we have to do what, etc. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing, um, and I'm totally with you, when we're thinking about a quite simple process where we have only, I don't know, two actors, um, it's straightforward. We have almost no exceptions whatsoever. Okay, why to lay the focus to, to put the effort in 
to think about the subjects, to think, okay, what is the communication, etc. Actually, we could use half an hour with both of them and draw the, the process and know immediately, okay, those steps we can cancel, I don't know, um, process improve. Um, we have to think about very complex processes. And I really want to give you a very tangible example. Uh, a, a colleague of mine was analyzing the production flow of a company who is producing machinery and the production so the production flow they identified 25 subjects um so it was really started starting with the the per, purchase department purchase department and really ending with okay the the final product is delivered to the customer um and now imagine we're just focusing on the activities because you have to imagine every subject has at least four, five, six activities to do. We would have such a big diagram. We would have to spend hours to um, find some solutions, to find improvements, to find efficiencies, to can finally say, hey, we saved half a day. We saved, I don't know, 1,000 euros per minute whatsoever. Um, and at the beginning, they really laid the focus on the subject. They just figured out, okay, which subjects do we have? And now this is important, how they communicate with each other. So which message, which object is sent from which subject to which subject? And that's how they could um, figure out the, the production flow of one part where they had a lot of errors could improve the quality of this flow, know exactly with which subjects they have to talk. And it was kind of success, this project, um, without knowing the specific activities of each subject. Ah. We really have to think about very complex processes, which become, in my opinion, more naturally due to globalization at the end of the day. So we have more and more external parties which are involved in our processes. And, but to be honest, Roland, I'm totally with you. When we think about a very straightforward process, okay, let's just sit together, do it the, the simple way and reach the goal nevertheless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that, you know, as a, as a means of process discovery, you know, just to ask who's doing what, you know. Um, what what's coming to my mind is something that I rarely or or haven't seen in projects is things like BPMN conversations, or you have the the UML sequence flow diagrams, you know, um, all those type of things. Like I said, I've never seen them in real life. You know, maybe just because I was curious and wanted to draw one, but I, I think it, <laughs> it's. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting perspective to to get your arms around the process before you dive into the nitty gritty details of oh this needs to be done and there's an SLA on this step and the quality of this thing that you produce must meet ISO blah 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 and and all these type of things. I, I, yes, I dig it. And you're getting your arms around the process, but 
with a, a narrowed view, right? Like the, you have the ability to, to focus in on a subject or subjects rather than necessarily having to have the whole process under your belt. So it's kind of like two layers of abstraction out so that you can focus in on what matters first and then develop solutions for that and then spiderweb that out as it impacts other parts of the process. That's cool. I feel like we, I have this conversation with people with very, very large process models all the time. And they ask the same question. This feels like too much. Like I can't analyze it all at once. And it feels like subject-oriented uh, perspectives may allow you to get a handle on a very interconnected space without necessarily having to see the whole space at once. Does that make sense? Is that, is that, was that what you're trying to do? Yeah, totally. Um, and that's the important thing. Um, and because important, it's not only important, but even very interesting, actually. Um, because I'm totally with you, JM, and I also facing this issue quite often when I'm looking at a very big process um, and I want to model it with BPMN, it's very hard for me to say, okay, where to to kind of cut this process, where to create the sub-process of the entire process in order to make it not a too big diagram. Yeah. Um, and that's quite simple, actually, with the modeling language of SBPM, which is called PASS, um, because at the end of the day, first of all, you define the, the subjects and the, the objects they are kind of um, sending to each other. Before you get there, what does PASS stand for? It's actually a, a, a fun story, um, because as I know the founders of SBPM, they also told me why why the specific things are called that way. And PASS stands for Parallel Activity Standardization Scheme. Why does it uh, is is why is it called that way? Because they say it, it's a scheme which standardizes parallel uh, activities which are parallel. And then they said, okay, let's just turn it around. Let's call it parallel activities um, standardization scheme, and then we can call it pass. Okay. <laughs> That's the old joke from the Avengers. Why is it called SHIELD? Well, somebody clearly wanted yeah. to make an acronym SHIELD. <laughs> it feels like you're like, I want it to be called pass because pass is a great word. It feels positive. Everyone knows what that means. Yeah, let's just call it that. No, I, it, it's, it, I mean, I understand, but tell me how it works because now we're, we're in the how section of this podcast. What do you need to do for pass that is different from BPMN or EPC or UML or any of these modeling languages, you know, value streams? What does pass do specifically differently? How do you approach that? What does it look like when you know you are modeling in pass and you are successful in communicating your ideas through it? Um, so what is important, first of all, and that's uh, quite funny because Roland, you mentioned it before. Um, as we know, in BPMN 2.0, we have the conversation diagram. So theoretically, we have the conversation diagram, we have the choreography diagram, and we have the collaboration diagram. Um, so the collaboration diagram is what we all know about, which is uh, used since many, many, many years. Um, and 
when you look into it with a lot of detail, um, you always have kind of some gaps or something where you think, okay, it could be nicer done this way, or this is too with too much detail, this is with too less detail whatsoever. And what is PASS doing now? What is important now for PASS? We have two types of diagrams, which must be used all the time. So we have the subject interaction diagram, SID, and the subject behavior diagram, the SBD. And what we're doing first with the subject interaction diagram, we specify the subjects and how they communicate with each other. So which uh, object they are sending to which subject. Okay. You can compare it kind of to the conversation diagram a little bit, but really only a little bit because you can send messages back and forth between subjects in the SPD, which is not possible theoretically in the, in the conversation diagram. Um, you really specify which object is sent to the other subject, etc. So it's with more detail that you really get a f very first overview or glance of the process in general. And then you can click into one subject and the subject behavior of this subject opens. So you're focusing in at a time on a subject and you'll see all of the process steps or processes or components of a system that they are responsible for at a given time. Because once again, you said before, subjects aren't necessarily people. They're any, uh, I guess, is it actor is a word that, I mean, I guess subject is a self-defining word, but they're anything that is actively working to enable process. Okay, so you have the ability to, to, to drill in on that from, from the, uh, those two different types of diagrams. Where does this get strung together in a process from the, the subject interaction diagrams? So um, usually you have just your, so you open your process model and it always starts with the subject interaction diagram. And then you can click in a subject to open the subject behavior di diagram, but it's then again, a single diagram. Do you know what I mean? And so that's the, the, the general approach of it. I mean, of course, what you can do, you can create swim lanes and uh, include all behaviors of all subjects into, into swim lanes. Um, so you, regarding the modeling, regarding the view, you can do a lot, but in general, you open a process, the subject interaction, then you see the subject interaction diagram, and then you can click in every subject to see their behavior. So I'm pretty sure that, that and I hope <laughs> that you will have some examples that we can put in the show notes, right, of those two different diagram yeah, types. Of um, but uh, when I think about the first one, and you said it multiple times, you click onto the, the subject, and then you see a piece of the process, what that role or that subject just does. How do you make sure that you see the whole process? the end-to-end, -end, because what you're doing is you're basically sub-optimizing the activities of one actor. And that might not be the right thing to do. The, the right thing to do might be to cut out that actor immediately from the whole process. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I understand you totally. So, um, and we have to, so that, let's say it that way, you have different approaches. So first of all, and that's, 
that's the, the funny stuff, um, which happens quite often and which must be tried out to believe it at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. When you have the subject interaction diagram, you very often already can, um, can see such things or at least feel such things. You often can see, okay, this subject feels totally misplaced here. Um, let's take a look how the behavior of the subject is, with whom it's communicating. Okay, this can be done by, by another subject. Um, the other thing what you can do, you can just take all the behaviors and place it to next to each other, mm -hmm. uh, similar to the, to the pool and the swim lanes to just see the entire thing. So that's not an issue at all. And what you, so what I'm also doing sometimes when it's necessary for the analysis of a process, I'm just placing them to each other. What is, but maybe what is here actually quite important to mention in the subject behavior diagram. Um, and that's the one of the very interesting facts compared to PPMN 2.0. Um, when you have an activity, so in general, there are, it is distinguished between just three activities. So we have either, either a sending activity or a receiving activity or a to-do activity. Mm -hmm. And when you, so you define an activity and you also have to define what is the output of this activity so that the activity, so that we can jump to the next activity. And for sending The, the output must be defined to, to whom you're sending this data information message and what this message is. Um, so you're de defining actually the subject which receives the thing and the object which is in this message. So your messages would be similar to the events in BPMN that stitch things together because my send message yeah. is your receive message and it triggers then something. Exactly. So that, and that's the thing. Um, so what I love to do, I love to model subject oriented with BPMN 2.0, because the only thing what I'm doing is I have no pool. So I have, I have only swim lanes separated to each other. Mm -hmm. And every simul, swim lane is for me one subject where I model their behavior. And when they have something to send or receive, I connect The, the sending receiving activities with the dotted lines yeah which would be the, the pools because that's exactly the point you know the pool is yeah. a participant and and you send messages between the pools and now we're back to whatever whatever the, the <laughs> models that i've never seen in real life well but it, it sounds a little bit like almost i don't know cypoc thinking of like an interaction between pools in a cypoc way which is like how do i interact What are the inputs and outputs of that each one sends? What, what, how is that translated? And who are my consumers and who are my producers so that I can create this fully explained relationship? And as Roland said, I, I don't often see those well-defined for interactions. I see them defined at a very macro level for processes, but that feels like a sign-off thing, not actually a, a functional thing, because there's no way we can see this realized in process. You're just high level telling people oh yeah in general i produce all this information in general i consume all this information and it's like yeah there's no specificity on that and doesn't apply to a single subject at any point in time we can't actually use that for a solution so i'm 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 getting i'm 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 getting what you're putting down 
The question then is, and I think Roland was going for the same one, which is why isn't everyone doing subject-oriented process management why, or modeling? What, what is, why isn't SPPM conquering the world? That's actually also for me um, a very difficult question. And I, my, my answer to it at the end of the day are only assumptions from my side, to be honest, um, because I have not read any scientific research why SPPM has not conquered the world yet. Um, first of all, and I think we have to be honest with each other, BPMN is the standard. It is defined via the ISO whatsoever. Um, it is uh, recognized by everyone in the world, kind of. Um, so, okay, it's very hard in the world industry to defeat something so big. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that's what I also have to say here, to be very honest, because the there's a own small community, SPPM community, um, which which has their their own scientific uh, conferences. And what was one thing, what or what is actually what is one thing, what was always told at these conferences, we do not want to defeat or destroy PPMN. We just want all the PPM folk to open their mind and think about this subject orientation. Because, um, and that's very kind of honorable from, from the, the founders of, of SPPM, that they say, we think when we're working together, we can achieve even more than we already have, kind of. Maybe the world is just waiting for Christoph's book about SPPM. You know, we had we had uh, one of the the co-inventors of the the UPN notation on the show a couple of months ago, Walter Brill, um, and and he, I found it really interesting to listen to his stories. You know, yeah, we had that idea. You you should model processes differently, and uh, this is new. This is exciting. It's easier and and whatnot. You know, and then listening to him of the experience that he made you know, on this. And, and yes, the, the big elephant in the room is BPMN, right? But I also heard from customers that they're not happy with that, you know, because it's it's feels restricted, right? So maybe there is an opening on for SBPM going forward, hint, hint, you know, sit down, write a book. Um, but maybe, maybe to open that question a little bit more uh, openly, where do you see the future for SBPM? So, again, very difficult to to answer. Um, and we have to look at the we have to look first of all at at some facts actually, because um, so at the beginning of the 2010s, SPPM was one of the upcoming um, BPM innovations. Um, it was mentioned in even in a Gartner uh, report. Uh, I think it was mentioned. Um, the conferences were visited from people all over the world, and also from BPM folk. So it was, it was, it really felt like okay, now it's getting rolling. And then somehow, it kind of lost steam. 
lost him and i really don't know why so it it is really strange and additionally now the the last years with covid where conferences were not possible etc it was more difficult but um yeah so first fact sorry second fact um there are actually quite some scientific researchers and a b tests etc where bpmn and pass were compared mm -hmm. always with the better outcome of pass and what is important now i'm not saying that bpmn totally failed very contrary so there are some, quite some good points for bpmn which is only logical because it is the the market leader in in modeling processes but pass can do better and that's not an assumption or a subject view of mine that's scientifically proven and to be honest even i have written a scientific paper about it Ooh. if you're interested um, <laughs> yes yes we are and we will link it in the show notes yeah um but at the end of the day and you have said it roland bpmn is the elephant in the room um only because some crazy people like the process wizard are uh, um, scientifically looking at it and making research and comparing it doesn't change the, the opinion of thousand millions of, of people. Yeah, and you need to be whatever embedded in tools and, and you need to an do a big point. marketing stuff and, and all that type of stuff. Yeah, exactly. which obviously as a small whatever community uh, not even a, a, a formal organization, if I understand this, a small community is obviously a, a tough thing to pull off. I think that's the quite interesting point for, for older listeners because SPPM is nothing which was created by, by marketers or, or crazy people who wanted to create a startup and just want to bring the idea into the world. It was created by scientific people so you really have a backbone behind it it's really based on 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 standards on scientific research on thinking about it and not just about yeah let's think about subjects because subjects are so important because human first or stuff like this to say it very <clears throat> overturned do you know what i mean yeah I yeah do. Yeah, and, and maybe you have to partner up with standards organizations, you know, like the OMG, and, and that will give you the reach. But hopefully after this episode, all of our audience is now convinced to take a second look at SBPM if they haven't already done so and pass. Uh, and I think this gives us a nice moment to take our second and final break for the episode to give folks a chance to maybe go look up things from the show notes if you're not driving and find information about this, because I think this is a great opportunity to expand your modeling horizons and think about your processes and the subjects of those processes, particularly in complex examples of communication. How can you reorient your models into something that communicates better with your audience, aligns better to people and actors and subjects, and ultimately delivers better business value? We'll leave you for just a moment and come back with our final thoughts and conclusions for the episode.
Welcome back. So, Christoph, uh, thanks a lot for being a guest on the show. And and before I obviously give you the opportunity to pitch your wares and, and your ideas, <laughs> let's just do a little a little recap of what we were thinking about, because I think we had a really interesting topic in this show. You know, subject-oriented process management is something that that uh, I haven't heard a lot about, and, and maybe kudos to you. Uh, you convinced me that it makes sense, you know, and I will have a deeper look at it going forward. So good job, Christoph. Um, but we spoke about that and we spoke about, okay, why, you know, why do we want this um, as a way? And I liked your analogy of the the storytelling in movies. You know, the hero is, and you see the act or the arch of the hero going through, that this is a more human way to understand processes and stories. And then we looked at, uh, obviously, into a more formal initiative with PASS, you know, uh, and, and process diagrams that use this, and we discussed and why and how and all these type of things. And uh, at the end of the day, we had having an outlook on, okay, where does this whole ship go? And I was a little bit disappointed to, to listening that you had your heyday around 2010, and then this other thing came around. So I'm curious how this will all continue. But Christoph, where can people find you if they listen to this show and say, hey, I want to I wanna get to know about this gentleman? You know, I love his Austrian accent and, and his funny way of telling stories. Uh, so, so where do they find you? So, JM Roland, first of all, thank you very much for having me as as your as your guest. It was awesome. Where can they find me? So, they can find me on LinkedIn, of course. I'm kind of active on LinkedIn. Um, I would, I'm really love to talk with everyone, discuss those top in general the topics of process management with everyone who is interested mm -hmm. they can find me as process wizard on youtube so to also listen to my video podcast um they can find me on twitter they can find me on tiktok um mainly as process wizard actually and what is important for me at the end of the day i do not want to to bind everyone or, or kind of whip everyone with subject-oriented business process management. I just want everyone to start thinking about business process management because mm -hmm. it's, it's essential for everything in at least in business life. And every interested person shall just contact me as you have done some weeks ago, Roland, which was a very, very nice surprise. I'm very happy about it. And I love talking about business process management. Um, I love doing scientific work about it. I love um, giving trainings about it. So if, listener, if you're interested, just contact me. Happy to share my knowledge with everyone. And, and I will put all the links to your profiles, you know, see your happy dance on TikTok uh, in the show notes. And, and after this recording, I obviously will go there and see what you actually do there. But that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's a great pitch, a great time to talk about the show notes because Roland puts together a, a 
a mean package for everyone. After every show, you can go and review it. You can see all the things we talked about, some reference content. If you're more interested in past today than you've ever been before, well, look, some examples might be available for you at whatsyourbaseline.com. And of course, for this episode specifically, whatsyourbaseline.com slash episode 54. Well, a huge thank you to our audience for coming along with us on this ride. And of course, an even bigger thanks to Christoph. Thank you so much for introducing us to this fantastic new way of thinking about modeling process, modeling with subjects first, to have that kind of conversation about conversation. But once again, we'd love to hear from you. If you've got feedback, if you've got ideas, please hit us up at LinkedIn or at whatsyourbaseline.com or hello at whatsyourbaseline.com if you want to give us more information. But we're going to leave you after today's fantastic episode. And for that time, I've been J.M. Erlinson. I am Christoph Piller. And my name is Roland Volt. And we will see you in the next one. <laughs>